Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Get German Football News podcast, where tonight we will be briefly reviewing the German Super Cup, discussing some of the latest transfer rumours as the window shuts on the 5th of October, and also looking ahead to the weekend's Bundesliga fixtures. As always, I'm your host for the evening, Nathan Evans, and once again this week I've been joined by two of our Bundesliga experts, Andrew Thompson. I dare us to keep anything about this brief. So, And <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Fenton. Hi, guys. Good evening. We're both well? Oh, good. Yeah, good doing stuff. Right. Good stuff. Well, tonight we'll start with the German Super Cup, much to Drew's annoyance, in which Bayern Munich beat Borussia Dortmund 3-2 to claim their fifth trophy in just over a year. Late Joshua Kimmich, goal sealing the deal and taking back the title from Dortmund, who won the same time, uh, same tie, 2-0 a year ago in the last Super Cup final. As mentioned, we'll give this one to our resident Dortmund fan first, not to rub it in. But in simple terms for you, Drew, where was this game won for Bayern and lost for Dortmund, in your opinion? I think just maybe a little bit of extra quality. Um, that's something that we've said so many times before, you know, not just this season, but in seasons past, that just somehow... Bayern will always end up finding that extra one or two percent um and that's kind of really the difference between one of the main differences really between um Bayern and Dortmund and we even kind of a lot of people sort of reflected about it uh last weekend when Dortmund ended up losing uh and everyone was saying myself included that you know that was a result that you need to win if you want to catch Bayern of course you know Bayern dropped a stinker as well so it ended up not costing them but on the in the grand scheme of things head-to-head you know, again, it's always that one or two percent, and you could also maybe question certain issues at the back that persist with Dortmund. If if uh, the current setup or maybe even the manager is is going to be enough to really give them that sort of springboard to want to move forward and catch Bayern. But yeah, I think for me, just uh, I guess maybe you know Bayern had more chances. You always have to kind of factor that in. But for me, I think it's always going to be when you're looking at these two sides because you know Dortmund have a lot of good players in that eleven. I think for me, again, I think it's always that one or 2% that Bayern will just, they only need just that one key chance. They always put away a chance when their back's against the wall or um, in a key moment where a lot of times Dortmund will scuff key chances in big moments. Bayern usually put them away. And I think that's maybe for me the biggest difference makers. Yeah, and just anything from you, Tom, on that as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, whenever these two meet lately, you know, on paper, there really isn't much to, to separate them. But somehow, you know, Bayern always edge it, whether it's with a, a hint of luck or just, you know, a never say die attitude. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of it. I, I thought it was interesting watching, uh, you know, Joshua Kimmich because he seemed to take on a bit more of an attacking role today in the absence of Thiago. And I, I liked that. I thought he looked excellent. And yeah, it was just, it, it was good to see. And um, it was a good, good contest. And I think it's, uh, it kind of epitomizes where both teams are in the sense that there really isn't much to separate them, but Bayern just have that little bit extra, particularly when they face off. So uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with, with all, of, all of what was said. Well, it looks like Dortmund won't bring in any more faces this summer. They're looking likely to keep hold of Starman, Jed and Sancho, depending on who you ask, as always in the Bundesliga and with the English market and journalists. But maybe just delving a little bit deeper into this, how did Dortmund catch Bayern and and that dominance? Do you think they have the players capable of doing it currently, maybe this season? Do they have to look at the tactical approach of manager Lucien Favre? 
what do they need to do to topple this Bayern side in the Bundesliga title race over the next few years? I think the biggest thing for me would be consistency. And I think, again, that's where you, it's not even just consistency in the, in the, in the level of play because it's football. You're always going to have an off day. You're not always at the races, you know, match, match day one to 34. It's a matter of still being able to grind out and find that extra percentage point when things aren't going your way necessarily. You still need to find a way to get results and, that for me has always been the biggest difference between Bayern and Dortmund, certainly in recent years where, like we've just said, they somehow they always just manage to pull it out when, even when they're not playing well, even when they're being outplayed. And again, we kind of saw that again, we bring it up in the champions league run where the two matches on the spin in the semifinal and the final, they should have been two nil down and they weren't playing well in the opening 20, 25 minutes, but they worked themselves into matches. But then if you put Dortmund into that same scenario, does Dortmund find a way or do they capitulate? So for me, and I think that almost can maybe come down to Farver in certain ways. I think certainly from an attacking standpoint, Dortmund have the players. Certainly in midfield, you like a lot of the options that they bring to the table. I have to look at the back four in certain ways. I don't think Thomas Munier was the right move. I do think the centre-back question is can be tricky. <laughs> and then depending who asks him on the on particular day, sometimes Roman Berkey is, a, is, is on his day and sometimes he puts a, you know, an awful performance and just again but that again comes down to the consistency of performance levels for Dortmund I think that is for me why they'll always be just behind Bayern but just good enough to to edge out the likes of Gladbach and, and NBL because they similar player profiles and similar levels of, of ability but Dortmund do just enough ahead of those ahead of those sides but never enough on that level of buying, I think for me, that's kind of the big difference. So I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this season. I, I don't think any of us pegged them to come first. I remember we all said Bayern were going to go ahead and win. I think that's going to remain pretty accurate until certain things have to change for sure. Yeah, and Tom, if you've got anything to add to that as well, really. Not much really. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it just, the consistency thing is just so important. Um, when you're trying to take down a team like Bayern, who are going to pounce on, on any kind of weakness or you know opportunities they can, you just have to be there every week and find a way of pulling it out of the bag. And I think what we see with Dortmund is a lot of games where individual brilliance comes to the fore and that can drag them through. And that on some occasions can see them blast teams away, you know, by four, five or six. But then other days there are these really weird performances like, you know, Augsburg where it just doesn't come together at all. And you have to question the manager on those days and say, well, you know, were his changes correct? Was his tactical plan correct? And there is certainly a question mark there with Lucien Favre in terms of that, because you look at at the team on paper and there's more than enough talent there. And I I agree too with Thomas Munier. I don't think he's the right man to come in and sort of vacate that absent Hakimi position because I don't think he's dynamic enough in, a, in an attacking capacity. You know, you've got three players playing at centre-back. You don't need somebody who is as accomplished defensively in that role. You need somebody who can get forward. And, you know, the tricky thing with, with replacing Hakimi is he's not only just a guy who's going to put in good balls and good assists, he's going to grab you a few goals too. So I think that was the wrong move. And, uh, and you can just see the balance isn't quite there. They haven't really found their right first team, you know, their first 11 yet. Uh, they seem to be experimenting a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, they're always just going to be a little bit off by at the moment, at least, until until the coach issue gets rectified, in my opinion, or until, you know, Bayern make a, a significant slip-up or they lose that killer edge because at the minute they're just a couple of paces away. Just talking about maybe not Thomas Munier in particular, but the system that he goes with losing far is opting for this three-at-the-back formation, which is fine when you have a player like Hakimi, you mentioned, constantly over the halfway line, Adimo. 
is there any need for him to play it when he has a more defensive fullback and he's trying to fit in a player like Emre Chan as a centre back hugely? No, it's. Um, I think this is the biggest. The biggest question for me is I feel like if I if I kind of analyze the way maybe Farber's kind of setting things up with the back three, I think he's. I think he maybe just doesn't trust. Uh, the goalkeeper situation. I, it's hard to look at it and say you can't trust Matt Swimmels, obviously, so that can't be the reason. I think it's more of maybe he just wants a better springboard for possession, uh, maybe allowing more participation from the Mitchellers to go get forwards. If you have that third center back, you know, you can have license for the center mids and, and both wing backs to push forward, but it hasn't worked um, for me to the level that you would expect. And certainly, you know, with their performance against Augsburg and, and then allowing three against Bayern, can you really say that the back three has made that big of a difference? I really don't think so. I think it actually hamstrings Dortmund a little bit. And, and, and the way Tom mentioned it is if, if you're going to use a back three, you don't need a right back like Thomas Mounier in your, in your team. Well, he's just not that profile. You know, he's not incredibly dynamic on the ball. He doesn't have that kind of the really good pace you need from a wing back if you're going to be playing three at the back. So you can all constantly get forward. And certainly when you're using players who like to come centrally, like Dan Sancho, like Michael Royce, you know, Torgan Hazard, these are all players that come in into the central channel or into the half spaces. They don't stay out wide and off of you. So Mooney has to be the one to do it. And there's a lot of times where he's found wanting in that role. He's not giving the requisite with, with that consistency. And certainly also then again, with the, with, with the type of balls you want into the box and into, into the areas, not chipping those goals. It's, it's a very weird one overall. So for me, I think the biggest change moving forward for Dortmund is that I think they need to stop persisting with the back three. I think that's probably arguably for me their biggest weakness because um, I think it takes away so many other things you could be doing tactically on the pitch, whether if you're in a you know four two three one or four three three hybrid or uh, you know even if it's you know four two two two, depending however you want to look at it. But I think this is actually more detrimental to to to, to the way they operate on the pitch than, than a plus point. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot a lot of changes on that front need to be made, and I, I just it's hard for me to look at it and analyze it and say that things are coming off well um, with, with team selections and, and, and where you're letting players. And certainly someone like Emery Chan and your team, you want him to be in midfield. You want that combativeness in midfield. He can get forward as well. He can't chip in with goals. You know, he's confident on the ball. I would assume you would want that in midfield, maybe with someone who can compete with Thomas Delaney for, the, for that for that center mid-berth, uh, depending on, on what you want to go for tactically. So it's just a lot of question marks in, in that one area for me. Yeah, obviously a lot to work on there for Dortmund. Buying themselves very uncharacteristic, <laughs> I can't say that word, uncharacteristically, there we go. Uh, still very busy in the transfer window. Um, most likely looking to bring in two or three more faces. Just to recap at this point, Thiago has left, obviously. Xavi Martinez is still playing, but heavily linked for the move back to Bilbao. Cusons was meant to be leaving for Leeds, but reports suggest that that deal is now off, but we'll have to see how that works out in the coming days. Could obviously leave the player very unsettled. In terms of incoming, Serginio Dest has chosen to move to the new camp in Barcelona instead of to Bavaria. Bayern are now linked with Thomas Lamar from Atletico Madrid. Uh, English pair Max Aaron's entire lamps here right back. Heavily linked with Chelsea's Callum Hudson and Doy by Build today. It feels like a very big change at the Allianz Arena this summer. For you two, if you come to you first, Tom, for this one, where does Hansi Flick need to invest in his squad the most? And out of them names, maybe some others that you've heard, who do you think they'll bring in before the transfer window shuts on Sunday? 
I think what he wants uh, first and foremost is a bit of depth and competition. Uh, we see with the Bayern Munich team, uh, we've seen for many years now, it, it's a brilliant team 1-11. to 11, And there's a couple of guys who can come off the bench and, and have a good effect. But uh, they, they've lost a couple of guys too, like Coutinho, who can come on and, and impact the game and affect the game. And I think he just wants a bit more competition. He wants a bit more protection in, in the eventuality of injuries. And uh, I think you can see by the players they're linked with. Um, the first and foremost on Hansi Flick's, uh, you know, radar is a right back and a winger of some description, or certainly an attacking player. And so I, I think that hence why they were so keen to get Sergino Dest, who I think is top talent, and you know it's a shame they've missed out on him. I, I wouldn't put it past Bayern to get one out of Aaron's or Lamperty. You know, I think they're both very good, talented youngsters. It's curious they're going for a player if they are going for a player like Lamperty who. Chelsea essentially turned their back on and said, yeah, yeah, you can go to Brighton, no problem. That appears to be that appears to have been a massive error because he's he's been exceptional for Brighton uh, this season and, and and the end of last season too. So I think right back is certainly an area he's going to bring somebody in. Uh, it's very clear now, uh, given what's happened over the summer with losing Thiago, that they're going to try and bring Kimmich into a more central role on a regular basis and try and utilise him uh, primarily from there, from now on. They, of course, have ben- Benjamin Pavard, um, but you're going to need a bit of backup for him in the eventuality of an injury. Maybe he deputised at centre-back. Uh, so, yeah, I-, I think that will be the one area they look to bolster first and foremost. The fact they want to get another winger in is, is an interesting development to me. Uh, Thomas Lamar would certainly add something, but he hasn't really hit uh, top form since his Monaco days. He's had patches of, of showing his back. But ever since the, the moves to Arsenal and Liverpool fell through, he hasn't looked like the same player, which is a bit concerning. So that would feel like another Coutinho slash, you know, slash Perisic move whereby you're bringing in a player in the hope of having the guy who you saw a couple of years ago rather than the player they perhaps are now. So I think that would be an interesting one. I don't really see the need for it, particularly with guys like, you know, uh, Muzi Asla coming through and, and a few other youngsters as well. So that one's a bit curious, but he clearly just wants a bit more depth. He wants, he wants to be able to fight on all, on all fronts. You know, if, if you're trying to defend three trophies, the last thing you want to do is, is sort of go out with a whimper in any of them or, or, uh, or give them up easily. Um, stretched out too thin so for me he just he wants numbers and he wants depth and uh, right back and and on the wing clearly seem to be two key positions I wouldn't put it past them to maybe bring in a a central midfielder at some point just because uh, you know uh, there appears to be a little bit of uh, of a lack of depth there Uh, Javi Martinez isn't getting any younger I know he's still playing relatively well but uh, if it was me, I'd, I'd want a bit more uh, in that position too. But yeah, I, I, th- I certainly think at the very least they'll bring in a right back and quite possibly bring in a, a winger on loan just to add a little bit more depth and to replace, you know, Coutinho's loss. Yeah, I, I think that will be the extent of their, for all the noise, I think the extent of their business won't end up being too much financially and it will just be a couple of faces coming in. Yeah, and any fair CGR expect to see coming at Bayern this uh end of this week I think Tom kind of hit him in the head but I just would what I would say that I think wingers become somewhat of a priority Leroy Zane does have a tear in his knee so you don't know like his timetable how he's going to come back when he is fit again and I think the overarching point that Tom brought up is that Bayern do operate with the need for having that depth because they've been incredibly vocal with their desire of challenging for winning a second Champions League on the bounce. So if they really want to have a, a really 
efficient and effective European campaign, they need that depth. Um, and certainly because they're always going to have someone like a Dortmund or an RBL breathing down their neck in the league, they're going to want to have be able to rotate and know that the, the quality on the pitch is going to be of that required level that they need. So I would say a winger is probably going to be as important as a right back. And certainly having Pavard be able to, to, to shift cent- into that center back role, depending on their opponent on a day, would be important as well. His ability to build from the back as a center back. You, know, you did see at times I should Gartner that he's very effective in that role. You also you don't know what's going to happen with David Alaba. If he actually ends up leaving for whatever reason, then for sure they might look to transition Pavard more centrally as well, or at least rotate bring in a, another natural right back into that position. So I think those two, as Tom said, those two positions, I think for me um, would be the high on the priority list. Um, and then maybe long-term, they might look to bring in. So maybe someone who's a bit younger uh, moving forward, looking into you know another two, three years from now, you know, Kisans might be leaving, you know, Goreska is doing the as well. They lost Tiago. Um, so there's uh, Javier Martinez again, he's what, 32, I think in the last year of his deal. So um Still a bit of question marks. We don't know how the youngsters coming through might might fare um, moving forward. So um, I would expect at least a right back and certainly a right-sided winger, um, if anything. And if we don't see that, I think they might be, for the first time, we might be questioning if they have that depth that, we, that we're that used to seeing from them um, that would enable them to really be as strong with their second choice options in certain key areas rather than just their first choice ones. So we'll have to see. Yeah, definitely an intriguing end to their transfer window. If we now shift focus to the Bundesliga and look at the weekend's fixtures coming up, uh, the first of which on Friday night, only on at home to Mainz. The home side have brought in Loris Karius in net from Liverpool and also Joel Pojampala, <laughs> can never say his name, from uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Whilst the away side have already sat their manager, lost a great player today to Wolfsburg in the form of Ridley Baku. Um, come to you first, Tom, for this one. Who do you see winning this battle? I think it's really uh, tricky to say because um, you're talking about, you know, in the away side minds, a team who have, you know, lost a big player, they've lost a manager and you're, I think perhaps fearing the worst for them this season. But by the same token, I know Union did manage to get a you know a draw at uh, Gladbach, and and it was a well earned draw, and uh, you know they were good value for that. But I think it's uh, it's still tricky to say. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if Carius comes immediately in. You know, given his reputation, given where his confidence may be at, so that could be one to keep an eye on. Um, I'd probably just give the edge to uh, to Union. I do think Mainz are going to have to find their feet this season. It's been a rocky start. You know, if, if you're them, you cannot afford to lose, uh, you know, 4-1 to a, to a newly promoted side. I, I just think that's, that's not exactly acceptable for, for where they want to be long term. So, yeah, I probably, just, I probably would just give the edge to Union, who, you know, to their credit, I think have performed slightly better than perhaps I expected them to uh, at this stage. I still think they're going to be down the bottom. And I think both of these teams are going to be somewhere in and around the, the relegation battle, perhaps not relegated themselves, but just somewhere in, in and around. So uh, it's, it's an interesting battle. It's going to be interesting to see what the bounce now is for Mainz. But again, I mean, it's, 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 been, a, it's been a big week for them and, and a bad week. And they're a club with a, it's, a lot, it's a club with a lot of discontent and disharmony within it. And this could be the good, a good time for Union to capitalise on that. And, uh, you know, back at home, I think, I think they're going to fancy it. And, and it really would be a big statement if they can pull out a win, um, particularly after what they did at Gladbach. 
because it's a, it's a sort of a signifier to people like me who doubted their ability to stay in the league and to say, you know, you know, whatever you think about, you know, the, the, the players within the squad or second season syndrome, um, that we're still a very, very good team that are very well coached and well drilled and know exactly what they need to do to stay in the division and thrive. So I probably would give the, give the edge to Union um, just because of the amount of disruption happening at Mainz right now. And I think that might take a couple of months or so just to settle down and for them to really get back on track again. I could be wrong, but I think that might, that might be the case. Fair enough. Andrew, who do you uh, see winning Union or Mainz? I mean, I'm tempted to not try to give a prediction because last week was a disaster for all of us. So um, <laughs> for me, I would agree with Tom. I think Union are, I think that they've, they'll just do enough. And then if you look at uh, the performances across match, they want to match it to, they're actually improving. I think that point against Gladbach was, was quite credible as Tom already mentioned. So you can maybe see them trending in the right direction as for, you know, Mainz, you know, they comfortably lost against RBL and actually won. And then they completely capitulated against Stuttgart. Uh, the week after, and they haven't really looked particularly good in either performance. So um, I do think Union have just enough about them. Um, certainly from a standpoint of the, I think they're just tactically better than mindset, more well-drilled. Um, I think they'll be able to at least, I think the, the one thing that Mainz would like to uh, rely on more than, than not is their ability to to get forward maybe in, in, in the fact game in the final third when they can. But I think Union are, the, the, almost the perfect counter to him in that regard on a tactical basis. So uh, I do think there's enough about them, particularly especially on set pieces as well, where they can maybe pick one or two goals, you know, at home. So I would, I would say I would go with Union as well. Do you want to give a quick score prediction? No. <laughs> 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 Absolutely not. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'll say one nil, actually. Only on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, what uh, 2-1. Yeah. Here comes your customary six four. <laughs> <laughs> it nearly land, it's nearly landed everywhere. Uh, I also think I'll sneak it one on the home side. Well, there you go. <laughs> Rather boring one nil home win. Um, the next picture sees Dortmund at home to Freiburg. Drew, you can have this one first. Do you see Bival be bouncing back after obviously the back to back losses to Bayern and of course Augsburg in the Bundesliga last weekend? I think I think they have to. Um, and I think depending on how they respond to that pressure will, will depend on what kind of what you see from them. Um, I think we could all agree that Freiburg have enough about them to, to upset any club in the country on their day. Um, and I think they're coming up against Dortmund are coming against a side in Freiburg that they almost maybe wouldn't even want to see just, you know, after their, their match day two, match day two loss or after the loss against Bayern just yesterday. Um, I think it's going to be tricky. I think Fargo are actually on a draw, and it pains me to say that, but I think the weaknesses we've discussed already, you know, uh, a couple of minutes ago about them, I think almost kind of plays into Freiburg's hands, and certainly um, their ability on, on set pieces with someone, um, with kind of the deliveries that they do get, uh, with some of the players that they have, I think could cost Dortmund a bit of trouble. Um, and I think, again, under Christian Strikes, they're solid enough in terms of how they approach the game, they'll, they'll be able to soak up the pressure if, 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 if you know, they're in form on the day. And I think that it's going to be a potential speed bump. Um, so I'm probably going to go ahead and say I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was like a 2-2 draw. And that's frustrating for me, but I think Robert have it in them to actually get a result. Interesting. Tom, have you got Freiburg or Dortmund? 
I'm, I'm thinking down a similar line, but the one thing I would just say is that sometimes Dortmund tend to follow up a terrible performance by blowing a team like Freiburg away. Sure. And Freiburg, obviously, <laughs> it's just, it's very Dortmund. So <laughs> I, just as there's all this positive energy around Freiburg, it would be just like Dortmund to go ahead and, and win comfortably. So I'm actually going to back them to do that. Uh, just to sort of spice things up a bit. I don't want us to keep saying the same results. So I'm going to just say, <laughs> I'm going to have faith in Dortmund and uh, maybe blind faith because Freiburg do look really good and, and, and they do look so well well drilled. And I like the signings too. I mean, Santa Maria almost scored an absolute screamer on the weekend. So maybe he does it this weekend. But yeah, I'm going to just about say a Dortmund win and probably a 3-1, maybe a 4-1, something like that. You have to pick one of them. Can't yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> if you time me down to one, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say four one. I'll, I'll give them all the. Wow. I know. I, I'm going. I keep going with these bold calls that never come off. But one's going to come off eventually. I'm going to put a bit on it and win thousands. So four one. <laughs> what have you got, Drew? Did you say two two? Yeah, I got two two. I, I put it down. Yeah, I I think similar to Tom. I just think someone like Holland might have his his day sort of thing, his last few games it's been a bit frustrating, I, I fancy someone like him to make the difference and I'll say 3-0 Dortmund Feel free to prove me wrong, I'm, I'm all for <laughs> it <so. laughs> um, The next game sees Colm play at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Rhineland derby uh, obviously the home side started quite poorly under Marcus Gisdol this season, kind of carried on the form from last campaign um, Drew, if you want this one first, is there a way for Cologne to get anything from this match for you? I, mean, I think there's a way, but it's tough to see. I think also kind of maybe hinge on uh, what Marco Rosa wants to do in terms of who he's going to put into the starting eleven. Um, I think I forget if it was on match day one or match two. We were questioning, you know, I on a play I didn't start. You know, Marcus Turan wasn't in the eleven. I think that was match day one, and we were all kind of scratching our heads as to what exactly was going on, but. Um, I do like some of, some of the players that they could potentially bring to the table. I do think that um, someone like Sebastian Engine could maybe find joy if uh, if Kong strike a bit, a bit lucky, maybe in terms of uh, set, uh, set piece performance, and that might might suit them quite well if they're um, kind of resolute at the back. But I think that's going to be the question mark. I think Gladbach have they, they haven't started the way they wanted to um, overall, so I would probably say that I, I would think I think Gladbach bounce back um, especially if, if you see their strongest level possible given the fact that they do have a bit of an injury buck at the moment I think if they're on song I think they'll actually be quite comfortable um, and that's kind of my payback for Danny for the Lacazette slander earlier um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think I'll go ahead and say uh, yeah I'll, I'll put Gladbach down for 3-0 uh, uh, actually Three you know. Yeah. So fingers crossed that does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you back in the away win as well. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm back in the away win. I'm glad back after fire into life at some point, and uh, and I, I just think there's tentative signs that they're getting there. And obviously, the, the big problem with them with, with them is injuries because they haven't got the depth to be able to cope with losing some of their key players. Um, but I still back them to pull the results out. I do fear for FC Cologne, um, despite you know how much good faith there is for them, uh, particularly on this podcast. I, I just, I do fear uh, whether they can really kind of, you know, stay clear of that relegation scramble because it hasn't been a, an optimum start. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably just say a 2-0 to, to Gladbach. Um, I think particularly given 
Uh, yeah, I think particularly given the, the fact that obviously Sebastian Anderson's got off to a good start, but I, I do worry where the goals are going to come from elsewhere in the squad. And again, I mean, uh, Gladbach, despite this, the, the fact that they haven't really you know, garnered them as many points as they'd like, uh, I do think there's, there's signs they're improving and the signs they're going to get back to where they should be, in my opinion. And uh, as, as players return and, and new guys like Wolf come into, come into form, I think they can, they can start to, to improve slowly. And uh, I think this could be the, the ideal game for them. Against another team who aren't, aren't, aren't exactly in good form right now, this could be the best chance for them to really get their season up and running. So I'll say a 2-0 win for Gladbach. Well, someone sat here in his FC Cologne top panicking <laughs> that Marcus Thram's going to get a triple hat trick at the weekend. I'm going to keep <laughs> the blind first and go 1-1. One, one. So, <laughs> um, moving on from that one, let's not think about Cologne too much. I'll start crying. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, Eintracht Frankfurt play host to Hoffenheim, who, of course, beat Bayern Munich 4-1 the weekend just gone. Should be a very entertaining match, this one. Who comes out on top here for you, Tom? Um, yeah, it's got to be entertaining, isn't it? Because these are two goal, two uh, teams with, with goals in them. Um, and Hoffenheim just look imperious right now. And it really is tricky to look past them doing it again. I mean, the first two games have just been so explosive and so spectacular in an attacking sense. Um, and I think there's still a couple of vulnerabilities there defensively for Frankfurt. So I think I might back them to, do the, to get the job done once more. I mean, you just look at them and they just look like such an accomplished outfit now. And they look like they can really hone in on a team's weaknesses and exploit it. You know, we saw against Bayern Munich, they've really sort of been saying for so long about Bayern's higher line and the way they play. And if you can get at their defence, if you can get it get in behind, you can cause them problems. And they, they did just that. They just ran at that Bayern defence, had no fear, got in behind, caused all kinds of problems for the Bayern back line. And I think if they can exploit some of the vulnerabilities um, of Eintracht, I think they could probably get the job done. Um, I might just about say, I'm, I'm, t- I'm split between a draw and a Hoffenheim win, but Hoffenheim just have so much good form right now that I, I can't really see past them. And, uh, you know, and, and again, you'd, you'd be a fool, a fool to look past, uh, you know, Kramerich at the minute. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Hoffenheim win. Fair enough. Uh, Drew, what have you got result-wise? That's just concerning. We're back to the old stealing each other's score lines again. <laughs> Didn't take us along. Uh, no, I mean, there's no, I guess there's no sense in banging on more about it. I think Hoffenheim have been absolutely brilliant at the start of the season. Um, Kramich, for me, has been one of the highlights of the, of the early doors. So, um, yeah, simple. I think Hoffenheim will kind of pull it out. I think... Um, Someone like Philip Kostic potentially missing out on this match, I think, is a big blow for Frankfurt in, in multiple ways. Just his ability to carry the ball, hit them on the break, his, his deliveries off set pieces, and that would be something to play into the fact that both Adrian Silva and Bastos are both quite good in the air. So if you take away maybe that one major threat that Frankfurt could possess through Kostic, I think Hoffenheim might be, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I do think that they'll, they'll have more than enough in the tank. And I think that buying performance is laying down a marker saying that they're actually could potentially be in the hunt to actually get Champions League at the end of the season depending on how this how it goes so yeah I have them down for a win I'll go um, I'll go to now yeah I think I'll agree with you both there I just think they're in very good form Kramerich has mentioned you know arguably the most underrated player in the Bundesliga for me the guy's record is phenomenal since joining Hoffenheim um, I, I'll say 3-2. I fancy a goal first. 
to Hoffenheim. Stuttgart next, who enjoyed that big form victory on the road versus Mainz last time out. They faced Bayer Leverkusen, who have gained two admiral draws with Leipzig and Wolfsburg so far. Big links with Kolasinac from Arsenal. Don't know if Drew's going to let us have that one or not. Don't know if he's happy about it. <laughs> um, maybe if you want to take this one first, Drew, just give us a little bit on that. And also, do you think Peter Bosch's side can go one step further and get the win this weekend? Uh, with the Klasnitz rumor, <laughs> there's two Drews with this discussion, which, and I've, I've gotten so much stick for it on, on Twitter. One is I've been sitting here trying to defend the notion that German clubs like to operate the right way, and I don't understand why Leverkusen would go and spend money on him, considering that Daly Sinkraven and, and Wendell are both at the club already. And to me, I don't see it unless you're thinking about Klasnitz becoming sort of a left center back and Peter Bosch is going to change either his tactics or his or their planning on selling him a Tenta and he's an awkward replacement for him. So I don't think it makes any amount of sense, but as an Arsenal supporter as well, I'm more than happy for him to, to go. It's not that I think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's a type of left back or left wing back that Arsenal need. He's not consistent on the ball in terms of um, his ability to take players on. Um, I just don't think he's got, he's a, that required technical level that Miguel Arteta wants in his players. And there's nothing wrong with that. But because if you look at the way he performed for Schalke, you know, the year or two before he left and the system that fit him to the ground in terms of what his expectations were, his role was more simplified. It was just kind of get forward and affect the game in the final third, press higher up the pitch um, and, and be involved further forward. I think if, if you put him in a system like that, he's actually a very good player. Um, so I think it's just, him going to Arsenal just wasn't the right fit. Um, I think, but I have to ask that same question for him. If he goes to, to Leverkusen, is he the right fit for Peter Bosch? I don't think he is. So I just, I, I just think it's kind of a Leverkusen have all this money now that they've made off of uh, Kevin Volland and, and Kai Havertz leaving. Um, they did well to replace Volland with Schick, but I think spending any amount of money on Klasnitz, not even talking about the fact that he's on 130,000 pounds a week at Arsenal and they'd be picking up you know, all those wages and it takes, unless it takes a big you know, wage cut. I just don't think it makes logical sense. Um, I still think, I think they have bigger issues in terms of the result. Um, I think it's hard to discount Stuttgart off the back of it though. They look good against Mainz. I thought um, they went down early against Freiburg, but they, they fought back well. And now, you know, they rescued kind of a, um, a scoreline that was, and, you know, maybe kind of flattered the performance a little bit, but um I did say, like, in the build to the season, I do think that Stuttgart might, might be in for a season where they could finish higher than people expect despite them just being promoted. Um, I think they're they're good in moving forward uh, on the pitch. I think they have a lot of good players that can affect the game further up. So um, I think they could ask a few questions of Leverkusen, but I think uh, I think Leverkusen could probably just peg it out. Um, I mean, a good point against Leipzig, um, a good point against Wolfsburg, and these are two of their direct competitors for finishing in the in, in top four or five, six places in the league. And I think that can be encouraging considering the players that lost this summer. So I do think Leverkusen will just squeak it out. So I'll say, I'll say two one Leverkusen. Fair enough. Tom, do you want to have a Leverkusen one? Uh, yeah, probably just about. Um, you know, again, Stuttgart were, were brilliant last weekend, but they do still have many injury concerns. And this may be, uh, you know, coming back down to earth. Um but yeah, I, I, I echo sort of similar sentiments to Drew in the sense that you do worry a little bit about Leverkusen just sort of throwing their money at the first shiny thing that comes along. I mean, Kalasanac, 
he certainly isn't a bad player, but unless you're going to utilise him at centre-back in a, in a three, he doesn't make any sense in my opinion. I mean, Drew's seen a lot more of him than I have at Arsenal, but um, for me, yeah, when you have, you know, the guys like Sinkraven there, I don't think you necessarily need to splash out this summer. You've got a big pot of money and uh, it's not a priority in my opinion. There's other areas that you can improve in. There's other areas you can add depth to. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, particularly if they have to give him a, you know, a huge contract as well. So, yeah, in terms of off the pitch, off the pitch antics, I think Leverkusen, uh, the strategy seems a bit wayward. Um, but on the pitch, they, you know, they have they held their own last weekend, and, and I expect them to to probably get the job done this weekend. Uh, a full, fit, you know, a, a Stuttgart team with with a, a fully fit squad, I think, gives them a game, and they may still give them a game this weekend because they're certainly riding on a high. Um, but yeah, I, I would just about back Leverkusen uh, to get the job done. You know, lots of of attacking depth still there. You know, without the likes of Havertz, um, so I think they have more than enough to get it done. And uh, and yeah, th- this could be the, the the weekend where you know Stuttgart really see what the Bundesliga is all about against the uh, what is still a top class opponent. So I think I just about back a uh, Leverkusen win too. Scar, are you going to go? I'll go two one. Did you go two one as well? I did. He's allowed to take it. There's no rule against it. Sorry. Oh no, I'm just going to make it <laughs> two one. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you know what? They they both like goals. I'll say three two. Big oh, move. Yeah, I will not say that. I'll say two one. Um, next up, Armenia Bielefeld will be hoping to continue their great start to the Bundesliga, traveling to Werder Bremen. I don't know what to say about Werder. We'll let Tom discuss this one first. Who's going to get the winner? I have no idea because the, I think the problem you have with, the problem you have with this is that you don't know if Bremen were just good last weekend or if it was a case that Schalke were just that bad. It's probably a combination of both, but weighing more on the sort of Schalke bad um, sort of side of it because you know I, I think for for as well as as Werder played, they were just kind of allowed to play. And um, I don't think this is going to be the, the new beginning of, of them going on to bigger and better things. Uh, I just think they were playing against a team who didn't really have faith in their manager anymore, didn't trust the direction the club was going in, and knew full well that a defeat was going to lead to a change in the guard. And and they they certainly took full advantage of that. And I I think you have to give immense credit to the team for what they managed to do and for the fact that they did go 3-0 ahead before before a late consolation goal for Schalke. And that in and of itself uh, is is an impressive achievement. Um, I think for this game, what you're looking at is, is uh, I don't know, I, I guess this is an early indication really of, of who is going to be able to drag themselves out of the uh, out of the drop zone, who is going to have enough uh, sort of resolve to be able to do it. Um, you don't quite know yet whether Bielefeld's early form is a reflection of their talent and where they're going to be at the end of the season or if it's just that new sort of promotion bounce. But this will be an excellent litmus test of that. Uh, you're coming up, up against a Verda team who, for the first time in a while, are going to be absolutely full of confidence. Um, whether it's inflated confidence by the fact that Schalke were just that bad, we don't quite know yet. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting uh, clash because when else are you going to have a fixture like this between two teams back for relegation uh, who are so full of confidence? Both teams are going to fancy this and both teams are going to fancy that they can have a better season than they maybe were expecting right at the start. So... I'm going to say a draw, probably a 1-1 or a 2-2. I don't think there really is too much to separate the two sides. Um, 
because Verda may have stumbled across a system that just works for them now. Um, I certainly don't think they're a million miles away. Um, but, but after last weekend, but this, but again, I mean, you're up against a team who is so much more fired up and ready and hungry than Schalke were last season. I mean, Schalke like they just given up to be quite honest. So. Yeah, big test for Verda to see if this form re- is real, to see if they do have what it takes. Um, but Bielefeld are going to be absolutely full of confidence too. So I'm going to say a draw. And I think the second time these two play each other later on the season is when we're really going to see who's in trouble because I think one of them is going to go is going to be going down. So fascinating game. But uh, at the moment, for me, not too much to separate them. Armenia or Verda feud, Mm, this is actually, it's funny, like, Tom brought up a lot of points that, um, for me, make this one of the more intriguing ties on the match day. I think, oh, definitely. Uh, it's, for, it's, I don't, I, you can tell I'm struggling to find words to describe Bremen at the moment. Um, <laughs> I think if you, if you look at the performance on match day ones against, against Hertha, you, you, I think you're seeing a closer representation of what they actually are, I think. And if you look at the Schalke result, um, I think you're looking at what they could be. Uh, I do think, if you look on paper, they do have quite a few players who uh, I think have a bit of quality. And certainly when you add Vashitska back into that lineup, they have they have some dangerous options that could really cause a number of teams in, in the league quite a few headaches. But I just think that they're they're just so poor at the back that I feel like that almost kind of suits Bielefeld who might be happy to go away from home and to, to just put faith in themselves being able to sit back, compact, and then look to maybe break on the counter, um, take their chances on set pieces, um, or even maybe just have a combative midfield performance and then try to just, you know, quickly hit them through there. So, and Verda just have, I think Verda have more to prove in terms of that last weekend wasn't a fluke than maybe Bielefeld have to do. I think Bielefeld can go and play with freedom and with confidence that they're, they're back in the Bundesliga, that they've played well in both match days thus far. Um, so I think, I think that might just give them the edge for me. Um, but I do think that um, if we see an improved performance from Verda, even if they don't win, I think then maybe you could then start to think that they might be finally trending up just a little bit because when you look at it, you know, Florian Kohfeldt is, I think he's actually a very good manager. I think he's been, um, he's kind of got a run of the deal in certain areas with um, in terms of some of the investment, the fact that they've consistently struggled with injuries, um, I think his options at the back are quite limited, and I think that sort of hampers maybe things he truly wants to do uh, on the pitch tactically. So, um, I, but I would probably put Bielefeld down for maybe a one nil. But I do think Verde will have their chances, and I think that if, if they can get out of that performance, even if they don't win, I think if they can get out with uh, at least showing us that you know maybe the the, the shot result was more indicative of the fact that their form is actually starting to change, then maybe my opinion on them will change for now. But I think Bielefeld will actually just squeak it out. I will just say, I think it may finally be Nicholas Fulkrug's season, and that makes mm. me quite happy. Agreed. I, I quite rate him pretty yeah. highly as a centre forward. I think he's actually quite good. Yeah, he's decent, yeah. What's your score, by the way, Tom? I know you said draw, but... Um, I think I'll say 2-2, because I don't I don't really back Bremen to any, you know, concede one, so 2-2. Yeah. Desmond. <laughs> Desmond. <laughs> uh, I will go 1-0 Armenia as well. I think they're going to carry on the good form feel like they potentially want it a bit more currently, but we will see. Last match on Saturday sees a somewhat brutalist Schalke travel to Leipzig. Alexander Solov could make his debut for the home side, whilst the away side 
of a new manager in charge in Manuel Baum after the sacking of David Wagner last week. They've also brought in a few new faces this week. A step in the right direction, you'd say, but can they get a result at the Red Bull Arena for you, Tom? Um, I mean, the answer, no. I think it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I am fascinated to see is, is you know, whether Solaf comes into the eleven or not. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be really interesting and um, I don't know, for some reason I, ju- I just think that could work. I, I know he struggled in the Premier League but the Bundesliga is a different proposition and it could match his kind of, his attributes. He's gone away, he's got a load of confidence in Turkey and and uh, it'd be interesting to see if he comes into the fold or not but I mean, I can't really get any worse for Schalke. I mean, in before they go and lose 10-0 but I, I do think, I do think it, it, there has to be some kind of a, some kind of a, of a just of a response and 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 a sense of of this is a new era now we can really turn things around and again I, I always say I, I think there's more talent in that squad than people give them credit for there's still good players in there with Harit with Rabi Matondo with Kabak I, I know he's going to be suspended for, for this game but it's not like it's a terrible squad it's just depleted somewhat somewhat by absences and and poor management so. Um, yeah, there should be a pretty regulation win, but by the same token, I remember I think it might have been last year where Schalke caused uh, Leipzig all kind of uh, problems on the break, particularly with Matondo and Co. So yeah, maybe there's hope there. Maybe this will be the start of a new era, you know. But I think it's it's more wishful thinking rather than you know being realistic. So I think for me, Leipzig should get the job done and a uh, chance to get back in the win column again. Uh, you know, it's not. It's never easy to face a team with a new manager because you don't know what to expect. But uh, I'm going to say a regulation 3-0 win for Leipzig and maybe even for Solaf to get a, a goal as well. You mentioned Ozan Kabat there, obviously being given a five-match suspension, I believe, for, shall we say, unsporting behaviour. Yeah. Obviously a big loss for Schalke. Drew, can you see them getting anything from Leipzig? No. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean that in, in any amount of disrespect, but... Um, I think it's clear that they had given up under Wagner. Um, and you can maybe, uh, I mean, obviously as athletes, when things aren't going your way on, on the pitch or off the pitch, and then Schalke are in fact a mess in, in both ends, that it becomes frustrating for a player. But I think just, you know, the, I think the way they conduct themselves, I think you could just tell that they're ready for change. I think they were kind of fed up with, with the way things are. but. I don't think that's going to magically turn their form overnight. And I do agree with Tom and I wrote as such and tweeted as such and we've all discussed it, you know, in, in the group chat as such that Schalke do have good players. Um, certainly Matondo has been mentioned. Um, I, I think Mark Lutz is actually a relatively decent center forward. I think the Ozan Kabak is sought after by Liverpool for a reason. So what Sedar has a bright future. I think Paciencia is, is, is pretty solid. I think he's performed relatively well so far early to So, I mean, here it is. Well, there, there are players, there's a core of five or six, maybe seven players there that with the right direction from the manager, with the right tactical schematic for them to, to express themselves. And you have some players there that can make a big difference and certainly would fire Schalke much further up the table than we've seen them in recent seasons. But I don't think we're going to see that against Murbel um, at the weekend. I, I don't think that the basis is there. I think things were so disjointed at the club and, and, and players were so unhappy that I don't think even the new manager can just immediately inject them with maybe some sort of renewed vigor to that level quite yet. I think it's more of a long-term job. I don't think we're going to be seeing this team perform to maybe where we look at them with the potential that they do have. I don't think we're going to see that till 
maybe after something like match day 10, potentially. Um, certainly missing Kevin for five matches is a huge loss. And, that, and I think there's a reason why um, they're surrounding goals. So fine when you have people like Lonas Sassage still starting, uh, you know, you're getting Stambouli at center back. I mean, these are big questions. Um, and now Kabak's absence is going to kind of exacerbate those. So I do back Sorloth to get a goal as well. I think I also agree with Tom there that you're, looking, you're talking about a player who I think he certainly does suit Leipzig, maybe a bit better than Yusuf Poulsen, who I do rate as a center forward, but I think sort of had that, that extra couple percentage points in certain key areas that, that Poulsen might lack, certainly in terms of, I think, sort of can give you a, a few more goals than, than Poulsen's able to. I think he's also, he's good in the air as well. He's got solid pace for, for a bigger center forward. I think he'll combine well with someone like Denny Olmo, who we've seen gets further forward quite regularly. Um, when someone like Emil Forsberg comes back into the team and, and, and back into form, um, that could be kind of a, a very interesting attacking trio that could give quite a few teams a bit of a headache. So um, I think Urbil would be quite comfortable. Um, I think I'd also probably say 3-0. No. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe shocked to grab a goal, but I just don't think that's there for them yet. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing um, any amount of consistent good performances from them for, for quite a while still. So yeah, well, I'll go 3-0 uh, no for Urbil as well. Yeah, I agree that the change will come eventually for Schalke, but unfortunately I don't see it this weekend and I will back the 4-1 win for Leipzig, I'm afraid. Two Bundesliga fixtures on Sunday to very quickly touch upon. First seeing up sees Wolfsburg welcome Augsburg to the Volkswagen Arena. Will the home side prove too strong or can Augsburg make it three wins out of three if you want this one first, Tom. Um, I think this is the, this has a bit of extra intrigue in the fact that I think Wolfsburg are playing for, as we speak and um, what their freshness will be for this, uh, we don't quite know. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Augsburg are coming off of a momentous win uh, and you just wonder whether they can repeat that again. I mean, they looked very well put together last weekend. They, they really did. They looked like, like they could be, the day if they want to, they can really get clear of that relegation zone. So, I'm not entirely sure which way to go for this, simply because of the the extra sort of uh, the extra factor that that freshness will be, and 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 whether Wolfsburg are going to come into this one, um, you know, entirely up for it and ready and fresh. Um, I think you know, long term, uh, bringing in Baku, I think is is a good signing for them, and he's somebody who can really add something, particularly in an attacking sense as well. So I like that move. I don't know whether he's going to come in and play um, this weekend. I mean, uh, if he's fit, logic would dictate that he would, given that you know. Wolfsburg have a, have a couple of uh, issues at right back, so that could be a you know a good time to throw him in. Yeah, I actually thought that I thought that in phases Wolfsburg played really well last weekend, and um, uh, so and they obviously have aspirations to, to go on and kick on and do better than last season. So I, for me, it's it's an interesting battle just because of the Europa League factor. I think I might say a draw, and uh, I'll go for a one-one because. Neither team are renowned for you know for being uh, sort of full of goals. So yeah, for me, a draw I think is probably a fair assessment. Yeah, uh, I will match your one-one before Drew gets us there. <laughs> um, what what do you want, Drew? Mm. What result? I probably also say a draw. I think uh, again they've they've had two tricky starts. Again, they've got another direct competitor on matching one with Leverkusen for a side that's looking to finish you know top four, top five, and then a Freiburg side who we all speak quite fondly of uh, and certainly that that draws away from home for Wolfsburg as well so you can look at Augsburg the way they started the season has been brilliant uh, I'm not being bitter at all uh, on two levels one I pegged them to actually get relegated this season so and the first thing uh, and they also be dormant so I think they deserve all the plots they're getting I think they've actually looked quite quite good I don't think the results that they've 
garnered in the two first match days have been flukes. Um, but I do think that if you look at the, the teams that they were playing, it's certainly against Dortmund, I don't think Wolfsburg are going to be as necessarily brazen against Augsburg. Um, I think they might be slightly more cautious in terms of kind of the space they allow. So I, I would probably put it down to draws. Well, and certainly I don't th- think they're going to be able to come in um, maybe being at 100%. You know, again, they're playing in Athens as we speak. So that was a quick turnaround against a side who, uh, as we've seen on their day, can, prefer, can put in a good performance. So they might be even extra more cautious on, on that front, considering they had a European week. So um, I will also say a 1-1 one, one draw. Fair enough. Well, the last matchup of this weekend sees Bayern Munich entertain Hertha. Another fixture should prove to be extremely exciting, I guess we'd all agree on. Hertha apparently close to signing Leon midfielder Jeff Rennie Adelaide, according to sources. What would he bring to the team for you, Drew? And can Hertha get the better of a Bayern team that might be a bit fatigued from that game against Dortmund in midweek? One of the biggest things that you're going to get with, with Rennie Adelaide is he's pretty tactically versatile. Um, he can play a number of central roles. He can play out wide. He can debutize, you know, as a number 10, even sometimes the center forward channel. So, um, but I think one of the biggest things is he offers similar uh, profiles, some like uh, to, as Dorito, he can pick up the ball in midfield and drive play. He's not just going to sit deep and create. He's not that kind of player. He's going to want to kind of push things forward a little bit and kind of give you that that additional link to, to the forward line, that kind of what you get with uh, Mateus Kuna as well. Maybe we could potentially see a slight shift in uh, the way uh, that Labadee might set the team up. You could maybe see uh, uh, Kuna on one flank and and, and Adelaide on the other with Lukabaku and Cordova up top. You might see that. You can, or you could see him stack the midfield potentially with with two runners and maybe two deeper players with two center forwards. So it really kind of depends. But he's certainly going to give them a an, an extra dynamic to a team that already has uh, quite a few players on their books who um, can affect play when on the ball and in possession. Um, I think that's kind of what they need if they're going to push themselves forward in terms of trying to reach their goals of getting into Europe this season. Certainly won the challenge for Europe League spots, not just maybe Champions League. Um, but for me, um, it's going to be consistency from them. Uh, and we've seen kind of the nine-day versions of Hertha already this season. I think, you know, despite, you know, Verde being Verde, they still played quite well in match day one. But then, you know, you saw the the result against Frankfurt on match day two, where this, for me, was always the only question for me about them. It's not if the players are good enough. It's not if uh, Levity is a good enough manager. It's, it's are they going to be consistent on the pitch? And, and the kind of a reduced version of Dortmund, where they have the players to go on and genuinely challenge for a Europa League spot or maybe even sneak into the top four. Um, but, they just, you know, you have, if you're already starting off the back foot in terms of, you know, you're playing one minute one week and then a different way the next week, you need to find that consistency with them. So there's no bigger test than Bayern, obviously. And I, I think you can never really, it's hard to say that Bayern are going to be tired. You know, they'll be able to rotate certain positions. Um, they're used to this as well, having, you know, midweek clashes that are uh, incredibly relevant and important and then coming into a, maybe a key fixture on the, on the weekend match day. So um, I don't think they're going to treat this differently from they have in any other season. Um, I still back Bayern to win. I do think her to have some some players that can hit them on the break. And if we, we said about Bayern multiple times already over the past couple of months, their biggest weakness is being hit on the break, maybe even with balls over the top. They might just keep it simple and look to exploit uh, the space behind through um, through pace, through someone like Kuna and Luka Bakio can, can get involved in, in a similar way as well. So um, I'll go with a 2-1 win for Bayern, but I think Hertha might put in a performance that 
um, might be more of a reminiscent of match day one then rather than the, the Frankfurt results. Fair enough. What have you got for this one, Tom? Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much all of that. I, I, do, I do just think, though, that this is um, you know possibly a game where the Empire strikes back and, and sort of asserts their dominance again. Um, traditionally, it's a game where you look at the sort of the Hertha attack and you think this is a great opportunity for those players to stretch their legs on the break and, and to you know use the spaces they're given. Um, so it wouldn't shock me at all if they managed to pull something out of the bag, um, particularly against, uh, as Drew mentioned, a Bayern team who, you know, who, who potentially could be depleted and, and, and have, have a few tired legs after two very exerting uh, games with very different results um, in the week. So, yeah, I do think it will ultimately be a Bayern Munich win. I think they're going to want to they're going to want to prove a bit of a point and come back strong. Um, but there's there's been an awful lot of distractions in this week, and even little things like you know tonight's. Champions League draw ceremony where a number of first team players have, you know, have collected their awards. And I'm not saying that's going to be a huge factor, but, but you never quite know. And I think it's, it's essential that Bayern do get back on top. And because if they drop points again, there's going to be a lot more question marks about depth, about fitness, about who they need to bring in and potentially a bit more pressure on the coaches and, and the hierarchy. So interesting one, it's a chance for Hertha to do some damage, I think, but I, I do just, I think Hertha will put in a very good performance uh, that, that, as Drew mentioned, is a better representation of, of where they're really at as a team. But I just think Bayern, they're going to want to prove a point. They're going to be angry. And I, I back them to, to get back to winning ways because, you know, they can only stay, they can only stay, stay down for so long. You know, this is a team that, you know, treble winners just stacked to the rafters with talent. And um, yeah, I think, I think they'll get the job done. So I'm going to say a 2-0 Bayern win. Fair enough. I will go along the similar lines and go with the 3-1 Bayern win. I think it might be one of them games where it's quite close to late on and then they just have them extra few chances that yeah. dispatch for me. Well, lastly tonight, we'll very, very quickly, because we're running out of time, run through the Champions League group stage draw. Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, RB Leipzig and Borussia Mönchengladbach all involved. Groups that involve them as follows. Bayern Munich will play Atletico Madrid, RB Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moscow. Dortmund have Zenit, Lazio and Club Bruges. Leipzig will entertain PSG, Manchester United and Istanbul, Besiktas, And Mönchengladbach will play Real Madrid, Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk in that. What some would say a group of death, I guess. Um, very quickly from you two, I'll give you a few minutes each to wrap this up. Who do you see going through and who's going out for you two in terms of the German clubs, if you want this one first, Drew? I demand that Tom go first. Oh, because no. I, I, I need to look at the groups again real fast. So. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. So, <laughs> so let's look. How about Nathan go first for once, for the first time <laughs> ever? Yeah, go on, Nathan. <laughs> I'm the most prepared out of all of us. So <laughs> you are. Very quickly, I'll go with Bayern to go through on top with Atletico Madrid, I would imagine. Fancy Salzburg to give them two good games, but ultimately they'll shine through. Dortmund's difficult one. I mean, Zenit always in that pot one, really, or up there in the UEFA coefficient rankings. You know, they're not the best team to be up there, in my opinion. Lazio could prove to be a difficult one. But I kind of fancy Dortmund to shine in that group and finish on top again. PSG, Manchester United and Leipzig is very interesting. 
maybe bald claim, but I think Leipzig might finish second and knock out Manchester United there. I don't think that's bold. Well, I think that's right on the money. That's even more bold. And if we're saying it's not even bold anymore, but, um, <laughs> yeah, they're just so set up for that competition, in my opinion, like especially the way Manchester United are playing at the minute. Um, and then the last group, Gladbach, Real Madrid, into Shakhtar. I'll back them to finish third behind Real Madrid and Inter for me. I mean, I, I, the thing for Gladbach, though, is they're back in the Champions League, you know, they were never going to get an easy group. In my opinion, I would almost rather have the bigger teams so you get more out of the experience, in a way, if that makes sense. But, yeah, I'll back them to finish third. Um, Tom, I guess you're going next quickly then. Um, yeah, I, I worry about Gladbach simply because of the injuries and, and the fact that there really isn't that much depth in the squad. I, uh, they're going to want to secure top four in the Bundesliga, so I think they're going to finish finish third or fourth, unfortunately, because Shakhtar are just, they're so good in this competition. It's what they live and breathe for. And Gladbach are, are going to have to come up against a team incredibly motivated. So I think they may even struggle to get third, to be honest. Um, elsewhere, I'm going I'm to say Leipzig to go through in second as well. I can't see Solskjaer lasting this season, maybe even not the next couple of months, the way they're going. I know, but it's just, they just look so bad. They, the amount of talent, I, I don't care about last night's you know, Carabao Cup result. It, it's irrelevant. They need to do it when it matters. And I think Leipzig, again, as you mentioned, they're so well set up to do well in this competition, the way they play, the way Nagelsmann sets them up. It's poised well. So I think they could finish second in there. I'd back Dortmund to finish top. I like Lazio, but it's their first year back. They didn't really end the season well without that partisan home support. They looked a bit flat, so I think Dortmund can make the most of that and capitalise on, on their errors. Um, and yeah, I mean, Bayern Munich, I, I think, are, are a relative shoe-in to finish top. Atletico are obviously going to give them a, a good go of it, but um, but again, they're just so well-placed and, and they just seem to raise their game whenever they're in the Champions League. So yeah, for me, I'll go with Bayern to, to top their group. Fair enough. Drew, do you have the same predictions or similar? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go top to bottom. I think Bayern will top that group. I do think that Atleti are always poised to to put that monkey wrench in, in attacking teams like Bayern, just the way that Simeone has them structured. But I, I don't think that Locomotive or, or Red Bull Salzburg can offer too much resistance that it's going to really affect the overall course of the group. I do think an away day in, in Russia is always pretty difficult. You know, I'm not going to throw in a World War II joke, although I could. Um, so, yeah, I do think Bayern will top that group. And regarding Gladbach, I think they're going to finish dead last in the group. And I know that might be slightly bold, but it's for the same reasons we've already discussed. You know, They do lack that depth, um, and they do want to make sure they, they push Dortmund for that, for finishing second in the league, and they've already started – maybe a bit behind where they want to be um, on the table domestically. So uh, as Tom said, Shakhtar always perform in Champions League. You know, they've upset much bigger clubs on their day. Um, I think Inter need to be taken seriously as well, given how they've been building that squad. And of course, Real Madrid, Real Madrid. So um, I think they're coming up against some interesting competition. I think they'll enjoy um, the group that they have, but I don't think they're going to finish anything higher than, than that last. So, um, but not necessarily to any fault of their own. Um, I think Dortmund will top their group. Uh, I think last year can be dangerous on their day as well, but um, yeah, I think it'll be Dortmund there. And then I do also think Leipzig will pip United. Uh, and, and Tom said, I think Solskjaer, with 
talent that he has at his disposal at Old Trafford, it's almost baffling that they've just been so poor overall. Um, I just, you just expect so much more, and it's United. United are a club that's built on being successful, not just domestically, but actually pushing for major honors in Europe as well. I just don't think that he's the man to take them forward. And I do think if you're looking at it, Nagelsmann will sit there and analyze and he'll figure out ways to really kind of to, to cue out their danger and, and make sure they don't really affect the match um, on a tactical level. So I do think that Leipzig will actually finish runner up to, to PSG in that group. So. Fair enough. Well, that concludes tonight's episode of the Get German Football News podcast. Again, and as always, a big thanks to the guys, Drew and Tom, for their help and expertise. As always, remember to follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with all things German football, especially over the next few days with the end of the transfer window. In the meantime, stay safe and thanks again for tuning in.